Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of Encourage, Build, Grow, where we're helping design professionals become better leaders, better communicators, and ultimately better people. Today, I'm so excited because I have a chance to bring an individual on that I actually met, I would say probably this time last year, and his name is Dan Oblinger. And did I pronounce that right? It's Oblinger, but nobody's scoring this, I don't think, so we're good. (laughs) Okay, all right, that's fine. Well, I appreciate that. Well, I, I like to, I tend to keep my podcast fairly real. So I don't want people to think I'm perfect, although a lot of people do, and that's not the case. So I, you know, I flubbed it on that, but we'll get it right moving forward. But, but no, Dan is an outstanding individual. He's a hostage negotiator. He's a keynote speaker, focusing primarily on listening and negotiating culture. And he's also the author of Life or Death Listening. And I just, was really enamored by the presentation that he did at an SMPS meeting in here in Northwest Arkansas last year. And so we became fast friends, although at least in my mind, we became fast friends and I connected. I can concur. I can concur. We are friends. <laughs> yes. I connected with Dan on LinkedIn and we just kept the conversation going from there. And I think everywhere that I have gone, I have attributed the active listening piece of the training that I'm doing to Dan's book and just to his overall training in general. And I just, I, anyone that will listen to me when it comes to listening and developing a listening skill set and a listening habit that stands the test of time, not only for you as an individual, but also for the organization that you're a part of. I mean, that's just the reason why I wanted to do this podcast episode. So Dan, I really appreciate you coming on today. How are you doing? I am blessed. I am in the central part of the United States, which we call the heartland, and it sure feels like it. The weather's great, and the people are amazing. Yeah, I know. And that's funny. It's, I follow you on LinkedIn, as we talked about earlier, and lately you've been doing a lot of thoughts from the heart about active listening and, and on a number of topics. And I always notice that you're either out, because you own a farm, is that correct? I live on 10 acres. Yeah. So. My neighbors don't think that qualifies as a farm, and I don't either. But if you're in New York right now, you're like, God dang, you have horses and cows and pigs. And uh, No, no, not really. But it's 10 acres. Yeah, there you go. Well, my neighbors have chickens, if that counts. And certainly living in Northwest Arkansas, I'm, I'm about as close to you as I can be and understand kind of the life that you lead there. You have a, a nice family, and but you also get to travel around and you also get to save lives. So why don't you just tell the audience a little bit about yourself and about your background because I just there's some things I want to I want to make sure that we cover on today's podcast because I think this will this particular podcast will benefit everyone and I know I'm ruining it in advance by putting that out there and I'm putting a lot of pressure on you but I'd love to just have you share with our audience your superhero origin story yeah Randy I tend to operate best when the bar is left low but I will do <laughs> I'll see if I can hop over this sucker So an origin story kind of implies that maybe I have some kind of superhero underpinnings and my wife can can definitely put that to rest. I am just the dude. And my start begins probably coming out of high school. And I had a, a fairly uneventful and you might even say idyllic childhood. Mom and dad stayed together. I'm the oldest of five. Fairly suburban upbringing good education at Mulvane High, go Mulvane Wildcats, and went into college thinking I wanted to go into law enforcement as a profession. And then things got a little sideways. I ended up in the Roman Catholic Seminary studying to be a priest, 
which was the best year of my life. It prepared me to be an actual good human and prepared me certainly for my career. I ended up back in law enforcement when I left the seminary. It also got me a a four-year college degree in ancient philosophy and ethics, which Hmm. I did not intend to get, did not intend to go to seminary, did not intend to study philosophy, and certainly did not intend to become a keynote speaker and corporate trainer regarding active listening. Not a lot of people get to point to one night, but I can point to one particular night that probably my life took a a J-turn and headed a different direction. And that was after I became a police officer. I was sent to the top of a parking structure in the town where I worked. And there was a lady dangling off the guardrail. And what proceeded to happen was the longest hour of my life where I discovered that a lot of things, actually, I discovered that I was not a good listener, that I was not a good leader, that I did not know myself not nearly as well as I needed to, and that I also wanted to become a hostage negotiator and fix all of those deficiencies. And I set off on a journey uh, from that parking garage roof that leads me to sit here on the Zoom meeting with Randy Wilburn discussing with all of you out there in podcast land about the merits of listening and leadership. So there's your origin story, Randy. I love it. And I mean, I've heard it several times and I loved it the first time at that SMPS meeting last August here in Northwest Arkansas. And I love it, love hearing it again because it reminds me that we all have to start somewhere. And I think for you, you had a realization that even though you were in throes of doing something as a negotiator, you still had a lot of room to grow. And, and it seems like you took it and ran with it. And I think that's fair. But I also don't want people to think, like in the movies, that's exactly what would have happened, right? Just like cut scene, next thing I'm a hostage negotiator. <laughs> and certainly on top of the parking garage, I was not thinking about any of that. On top of the parking garage, I'm just, I'm playing verbal and mental ping pong, just trying to stay alive, keep the ball in play, doing my best, which was not that great. It was the reflection post-event. And that's maybe the first lesson that we have for people out there. You got to reflect upon these things that are happening to you. At the time, did I think that this woman on top of the parking garage was a gift, was a blessing. No, (laughs) I thought this is a horrible way for my shift to end, you know, but in the end, it's one of the greatest blessings that has ever been given to me. She gave me that blessing of letting me work with her in that situation and realize all these deficiencies because I was, I used it it was a catalyst for something greater. Now the reflection has to be matched with a firm commitment of your will. I mean, you, we have opportunities all around us that we either miss or just not willing to take but I took it. It took a couple of years of preparation coming out of that event to be able to get to a place where I could be a hostage negotiator, compete for a spot. And certainly it, it was a journey. I mean, and it was up and down. It wasn't straight up the mountain. I made some more mistakes, but that process certainly can be traced back to that night on top of the parking garage. Not a lot of people get that kind of a gift or a blessing, but I certainly view it that way now. Yeah. No, I certainly, I agree with you 100%. You know, I want to talk about something that just to kind of talk about this whole active listening and peace. And this is kind of where you've kind of where you've I think you've really been able to make your mark, especially in the communities that you serve, the industries that you speak to. I know you've spent a lot of time with design firms and construction organizations. And so I think that it's interesting to see that so many people have taken to your conversation about active listening and the importance of it. But could you just for my audience's sake, could you explain the difference just really quick between what is hearing and what is listening? Because I think the way that you broke that down for me last year was really, it was perfect. And I mean, 
the images that you showed were great, but I just think this idea that a lot of times when people think they hear someone and understand them, it's not necessarily the case and that there is truly a difference between hearing and listening. Well, I think it begins with an understanding of chickens. And since you broke the poultry barrier, I don't mind bringing that up now, Randy. So this is the chief difference is that hearing is physiological. So it happens, it begins in our environment when sounds are created. So these waves, these vibrations that happen in our environment, are, they land in our ear. Our ear is designed to receive them. And it activates the nerves. It's an impulses to the brain. Through experience, our brain then knows what's in our environment because you know, it is felt and then therefore heard these vibrations before. And that's, it's still amazing, isn't it? I mean, that's magical. Like imagine the design that went into that process and yet it's not enough. I mean, that process is very low value when it comes to making deep connections with people, just hearing. And so that physiological process could be used if we, if we organize our will and organize our focus for a process that is listening. And that is something that is high value and actually the foundation for a deep connection with another human being. But listening doesn't happen in the ears or even maybe in the brain. I think listening happens in the soul. And so now all the scientists are like, well, we can't help you because I don't know where that is. But I do know this is that there's something magical about high intensity, authentic listening. And we all know when we're being listened to and we know when we're just being heard and we know the difference and we far prefer to be listened to. And so one is physiological. The other one is either psychological or spiritual, or I would prefer to think it's maybe a combination of both. It is something that we have to intend to do. You can accidentally hear things, but I don't think that you really accidentally listen to things. And the value of the connection for someone who listens pays so many dividends, particularly when we're talking about leadership in a technical environment like design and build. Yeah. No, that, I mean... That's perfect. I love that. That is, and actually, whenever I share some semblance of that type of idea and, and breaking down the difference between hearing and listening, most people I see a lot of nods in the room of people that are like, "Yeah, you're right." And I ask people all the time, "You know, when someone's truly tuned in and listening and listening to you versus when they're just, as you like to call it, waiting for their chance to speak." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there is well and. And to bring it home, so the image that you probably latched onto with the experience of having your neighbors is, you know, a a chicken can hear with a high degree of fidelity. If I shake a feed bucket across my 10 acres, chickens will come running. They know what it means. Just one half shake and they're all there and they're ready, but chickens don't listen. So I tell my kids, be better than chickens, like in almost everything, right? right? And so hearing is fantastic and it's magical, but it's not reserved for humans. Like all creatures with the same kind of structures in their body can hear really well. In fact, better than humans. But what we own and what propels us forward with our community that we have, which is an amazing gift that humans have, is to be able to be a a community creature is because we can listen really well if we want to. And chickens don't do that. So it is something that is uniquely human, is this authentic understanding of making that deep connection through listening. Yeah. You know, as I'm sitting here listening to you to share that, and again, I think a lot of people might miss the bigger picture here. And even, and some people might say, well, you know, this is great, Randy. Dan is cool and all, but I mean, he gets paid to do this. He is working, you you (laughs) work in a very high stress environment. I mean, if you don't listen, people can die. And I mean, some people would probably say, well, I don't work in that 
type of pressure environment. So maybe my listening skills don't have to be as good as Dan's. And I'd be curious to know what your thoughts are about that. Well, I just got back from the dentist yesterday, Randy, and I got a pretty good clean, clean bill of health. But you know what my dentist says is only floss the teeth you want to keep. <laughs> and so I say only work on the kinds of skills that you use every day. And so I do have regularly, I have people come up with this, what I call a common objection to the kind of listening that I advocate for. And they say, well, I mean, you're not me. I'm not a hostage negotiator. Uh, Maybe they might say, you're not a top executive in the design build industry. And I will tell them that's fair enough. Now I grew up in that industry and I know well the culture, but you're right. We have two different jobs. But here's the funny thing is the kind of listening that I use, I use to save lives. But all that means that it has been stress tested to the utmost. And the kind of listening that I use as a hostage negotiator is the exact same kind of listening that I use as a landlord for all the properties I manage, as a keynote speaker and a corporate trainer in securing contracts with major corporations. And it's the same kind of listening that I use with my children and my wife at home. It's the same kind of listening actually that I use when I'm at restaurants and I'm on public transportation. And when I'm flying and sitting in the airport lounge, it's the same kind of listening that I use just to strike up a conversation with a stranger and bless them and send them on their way after five minutes of hearing their story. So why wouldn't you want to use that kind of listening? It it works in all those arenas. What it's really about is letting people tell their stories. And what I would answer is, at the end of the day, is that it's life or death listening for me as a hostage negotiator, but it's life or death listening for everybody because relationships live or die on the quality of the trust that is shared with the two people in the relationship. The quality of the trust is completely based upon how well we connect with each other and what kind of listening we're doing for each other and what kind of empathy we're demonstrating with each other. And so at the end of the day, over a long enough time period, it's life or death on the basis of how well we listen. Yeah. I mean, gosh, there's like a million things I would love to just kind of go off on (laughs) here. but I know there's only so much time on the podcast, Randy. Well, there is. And I'm going to pace myself because I think what I'd like to do is you know, especially because again, the things that we're talking about here, this transcends any one vertical or any one industry. Right. Again, what we're talking about, they are life lessons that can benefit all of us. So even though my focus is for with design professionals and I want to see them become better at what they do, I want to see them become better leaders, better communicators, this actually benefits anyone. But why don't you, for the sake of our audience, kind of share just a little, just a quick glimpse into some of the most common listening sins, or as you call them, deadly listening sins that we encounter on a regular basis so that we have a little bit of language for those and understand them. And I think when I, when you shared last year, you gave me like seven listening sins. And then you had like eight, I think you had like eight active listening practices, ways that you can be a better active listener. But would you mind just sharing some of the active listening sins so that, or rather some of the, it wouldn't be active listening sins. They would just be listening sins. Because there's Inactive no act- listening. Yeah, inactive listening. Yeah. yeah, so. Yeah. Well, I, this is the thing is human beings are, are also built for habit. And this is something that we all know, right? All adults know this is we have habits and some of our habits are good, which means they're beneficial. And some of them are bad, which means they're harmful, especially to relationships. And what I've noticed in working in all industries, but especially in particularly in actually in consulting engineering, I've had a lot of opportunity to work with executives and do some coaching. And I've noticed these habits and then I noticed them in myself. So let's just run through a couple of them. One would be interrupting. And this is like easy. This is like the easiest entry point for bad listening habits. 
because we all hate that. Nobody wants to be interrupted. And we all do it from time to time. And so that's when you understand, okay, this is a habit. It's something that we don't want to do, but somehow we're compelled to do it. And a lot of it comes down to the fact that we all have a story. So in my workshops and in my keynote, which you saw, we talk about that's a powerful motivation to be a good listener is that story that everybody has. But it also, that concept of everyone having a story gets in the way because you have a story. So a lot of bad listening is fueled by this desire that we have to share our own story to the detriment of other people's stories. So interrupting is a great example of that. So we're going to cut off their story to barge in with ours. And it's because something that they said usually sparks our own story and that desire to tell it. And we just have to learn to be patient and set aside that urge. And that's tough. That's a habit that we have to break. Another one would be one-upping. And this is a variation on a theme. Same kind of deal. Something that they said in their story sparks us to share something related in our own story. And it's going to be something that's better because that's just how human beings work and think. And so when they finish, we didn't interrupt, but we're going to come back with our story instead of a further and deeper invitation into their story or an inquiry into that story that they've shared so far. We waste that, we squander that opportunity and we tell our own. And we, again, we diminish their story by amplifying ours. So that's a bad habit of one-upping or gamesmanship where we, we come back with our own. And it, I think I mentioned this in your class in SMPS. We talked about go to a bar and let them serve a couple of rounds of alcohol and then see how much one-upping is going on. It is the ultimate environment for one-upping and killing other people's stories, which is sad. And the last one we could talk about, I think, is I'll just talk about daydreaming, which sounds kind of weird. When I first started exploring this bad habit with people, I think they often thought it was like ADHD, like adult ADHD. And there might be an element of that, but particularly with like technical workers and producers in like design build, I see it, it, it presents itself more often as a rush to implementation or a rush to problem solving. So we hear a little bit about the story. We hear a little bit about the problem, perhaps from a client. And then we immediately start thinking about solutions or we immediately start thinking about implementing a change without listening to the entire story, without listening to the entire problem. And people know right away when we stop listening and they don't know that we're trying to help them. We just know that we're not listening. So that's a problem. It's a bad habit and it can impact relationships. So there's just three of, of seven or eight that I often talk about in my events. And it all flows from this desire to tell our own story or to accomplish our own mission without giving due to that of another person. Yeah. And I, I love that. And I'll, I'll share the others uh, in our show notes. And also, Perfect. I will put a link to Amazon so that you can order Life, Life or Death Listening, which I would honestly recommend that every, any individual listening to this podcast, whether you are currently a leader or you want to be a leader, real leaders listen. And I think, I think if nothing else, Dan's book will certainly put you on that path to success when it comes to implementing stronger listening skills and help you develop and hone that. I have been one of the greatest offenders of this, but I have <laughs> enough humility to know that, hey, there's always room for improvement. So I'm taking the Kaizen approach to listening where I have consistently tried to get better. And then when I went to, and sat down and heard from Dan last year, I was like, oh man, I need to, I need to take it up a whole nother level. And mm -hmm. while I'm not saving anybody's life through hostage negotiating, I am trying to impact people. And I can't do that if I don't know the why behind the things that they're doing. 
And you can never know the why behind the things that people are doing unless you actively listen to them. Yeah, people hide their why. I see that a lot. You do too on LinkedIn. Like every time you know, get the why, like let your why guide you. Let, you know, their why, it's critical. It is. What's not mentioned enough is that people hide their whys. They don't want to share their whys with somebody that's going to marginalize or contradict or invalidate their why. So we, we hide our whys until we're sure we can trust the person. And the way we know who to trust is how well they listen to us. If you've never thought about that process, that's it in a nutshell. And we don't verbalize that. I'm not going to say, hey, Randy, I don't trust you because you haven't listened to me. <laughs> but watch you listen to me authentically. Watch how fast I'll trust you. And it's, it's, it was a crazy process for me to wrap my head around after I got off the parking garage and I went to the gurus, right, in my local community, the, the hostage negotiators and those kinds of guys and gals. And I'm like, I want to be better. What should I do? And they're like, you got to be a better listener. And I'm like, well, why? Because like, they explain the relationship of empathy, trust, and listening. And um, it blew my mind. I'm like, that's, that, that, that's the process of me deciding who I'm going to be friends with in college was who would listen well. They're like, yeah. But I never thought about it in those terms. They're like, yeah, it's a covert activity. It's not an overt activity. You don't gain trust by walking up to me. I'm going to gain your trust by listening to you. Tell me your story. It's, it's a natural process. But it's how we judge who we should trust. If our leaders don't take the time to develop that, if they don't sincerely inquire and respectfully receive, then we're never going to tell them why. And that's why we as leaders, that's our mission. That's our calling is we have to build that relationship where people can tell us anything they need to tell us to make us better, to make the company better and to develop themselves. And that's a, that's a high calling, but it begins with what you're doing a little bit better every day. That's it. That's enough. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And that's my, that's my whole mantra. I just ordered a bunch of, um, of those little rubber bracelets that, that people wear. I got some for my kids and then some for myself and I'm just giving them away. And it says, get 1% better every day. That's huge. Yeah. If we can work That's up. so I'll, huge. I'll send you one. Um, I would love that. Yeah, that yeah. might make it to a video. Yeah, I, I would definitely do that. Well, one, one thing I'd add there, because I think you made a really nice point, was that there's this relationship between listening and leadership. Leaders do listen, but there's even a better way to think about it to help you get 1% better every day. And that is that, uh, and there's this issue or this principle in philosophy where we talk about necessity and sufficiency. And again, I didn't set out to become a philosopher, but all these little things that I'm like studying so I can pass a test in my sophomore year of college, I'm now, I'm seeing it played out as I'm trying to make these connections with people. So listening is necessary for leadership. I don't know how you lead people unless you listen to them and find out where they're at and where they want to be, but it's not sufficient. There are other things you need to do as a leader. Listening forms the floor. Like that's the foundation for everything you want to do. I mean, the, one of those things would be like problem solving. Okay, <laughs> listening has a special relationship with problem solving. So again, you'll see listening is the thread that is woven throughout all these different leadership activities and it is the foundation of leadership. There's a little bit more you need to do beyond it. But if you become a 1% a better listener every day, I think you're also becoming a 1% better leader every day and that's cool. Yeah, no, I like that. That's actually really good. So why don't we, let's kind of bridge the gap here and connect the dots for active listening. What, why don't you give us three strong active listening practices that if we could employ these, this is the start of something. Or, and I like the way you said that building the foundation for leaders, active listening, proper, listening properly is the foundation of the floor. So why don't you give us maybe two or three practices that can help us from that perspective? Sure. Well, I'm going to start with uh, question selection and question construction. We have to stop asking garbage questions. And the best way to do that is get in the habit of asking high value questions. I think that 
if you were looking for an entry point to active listening skills and it, and if you were looking for a litmus test for whether listening could actually be a skill, whether it's not just the talent, it's something we can actually work on the fundamentals and get 1% better every day, then I would direct you to that. How are you asking questions? What sort of questions, what type of questions are you asking? And how do people respond to you when you ask a question that you think is really important? If they're blowing you off and you're not getting any deeper than just the surface, if people are giving you the minimum that they're required to give you when you ask a question, then that's what's holding you back as a listener and a leader. So we have to start thinking about how we construct questions. We need to start tailoring questions for the people we actually need answers from. And we have to stop asking questions to get information. That's the lowest value use for asking another human being a point of inquiry. It's just to get a little bit of information or data from them. What's interesting is in the industry that you and I both serve a lot, that is what they think the maximum they can get for asking a great question is. Well, yeah, I'm getting data. I'm getting, I'm, I'm establishing scope with my questions. I'm like, yeah, but don't you want to build a relationship with that potential client or that current client in the process of establishing scope? And they're like, well, yeah. I'm like, well, you do that with your questions. If I say that people hide their why because they're waiting to see if you're a good listener, the principal way that they judge you is on how you ask questions of them. If you're asking sincere, specific, tailored questions that allow them and invite them to tell their story, then you're halfway there. Like that's proving to them as you do it, this guy's serious, this gal's serious. She asks great questions and they will tell you the why. They'll tell you the why, the what, the how, all that good stuff. And in the process, they will trust you. So question selection, question creation is critical. The biggest shortcut I can tell you is if you ask a lot of questions that begin, can you, will you, do you, stop. Start asking questions to start with how and what, and maybe even throw in some if questions and let people build out their hypothetical best for you. And I think you'll get a lot more bang for your buck with asking questions. Ah, I love that. That's really good. What about, there was one that you mentioned, and I, and I, I kind of like this, and I think it's the, you know, like one of them is the minimal encourager and, mm-hmm. and just kind of facilitating, you know, it's almost like saying, and, and, and you know, you're, you're trying to get more right. out of them where you just kind of sh- totally just stop talking. And, and I've done some training where I've encouraged people just to shut up and let the other <laughs> talk. I mean, I don't say it that way, but I do because I'm like, Let's no, but that, yeah, <laughs> it's it, right? We so oftentimes prove that we're not good listeners because we talk too much. Or when, uh, when there's an opportunity to say very, very little, we say a lot. And so minimal encouragers, there's really two active listening techniques that really encourage people to speak less. Uh, one is, take to pause, but you brought up minimal encouragers, so let's do that one. Minimal encouragers means conserve your energy, create the impression, the clear impression in somebody else's mind, create that perception that they're in charge of the conversation, we're receiving their story. And I'm not going to be silent for most of the time because that would be rude, but I'm going to, as much as I can, limit my own input, limit my own storytelling, and limit any direction I'm giving to the conversation. I'm just going to encourage them to continue down the path they've chosen. And I'm going to also, by the way, conserve my energy in that process, which is a really nice thing to do. Some people tell me that listening is exhausting. And I'm like, well, you're probably talking a lot because if you're simply just receiving the story and reflecting, uh, that's about as low as an energy output as you can have as an activity. So what I tell people is think of one word or two words or no word activity that you can send signals to the person telling a story that you love what you're getting and you want to hear more. So nodding and smiling qualifies as a minimal encourager. An open body posture 
that qualifies as a minimal encourager saying, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. those are all minimal encouragers you can actually say while they're talking and you're not interrupting at all. You're fueling the fire, right? You're, you're pushing the story forward in the direction they already want to go. One of the most powerful applications of the technique I learned from my negotiations partner, he started to figure this out in interviews. We started to apply it to negotiations we were doing. But when somebody says something that's really emotionally intense, and it could be really, let's say, sad. So if something's super sad, they tell us something that's really depressing. We learn to just simply say, wow, with the right inflection, just wow. And if somebody told us something that was really encouraging and we wanted to give them a positive reward for it without, again, changing the direction of anything, we would say, wow, it's the same word said in a way that matches the emotions that shows that we understand without saying hardly anything. We just said one word. And what we found was people reacted to that so strongly and positively. As long as we matched the emotion with our inflection, they would tell us way more about that side of the event. So if it was something super depressing and we said, wow, they'd be like, yeah, you get it. And they would talk way more about those depressing events. Or again, if it was positive, they talk a lot more about that positive aspect of their life. And that's a minimal encourager at its best. It says, I understand. It says, I get it. It says, tell me more. And all he said was, wow. <laughs> it sounds so easy. It, it really does. And I think we... Well, Randy, you know me. It has to be simple or I'm not going to be able to pull it off. Right, right. No, no, no. I, I love that. No, it, it, that's perfect. So, you know, and I want to kind of move on from this because I think we've discussed this topic. And again, it is an important topic. And I'd be curious to know for those that are listening, what are some of the, the biggest or, or just give me one offense that you see over and over again, especially in design firms, when it comes to this, this whole strategy of trying to be a more proactive or more active listener, what is one of the biggest offenses that you see take place quite a bit that could actually be solved? Well, I think there's a good one. It encompasses a lot of the bad habits that I see in listening. And what's uh, the reason why I like to talk about this, especially in, in a design uh, and engineering kind of setting, is that the kind of folks that really excel at the technical design-oriented professions are already set up to have immediate success as good listeners. If they ever could hear this explicated, if they could just hear me lay this out, if you're listening right now and you're an engineer, this is for you. Or an almost all the problems in listening come from what we call associative listening. So I'm listening to your story, Randy, and I hear myself when you talk. You've got kids, I've got kids. I mean, there's something in somebody's story that will always activate our own. We are constantly looking for ourselves in our environment. So in the, in the process of receiving somebody's story, you'll hear something that makes you think about your own story and then you'll want to tell it. And it's because we're constantly listening for ourselves in that story. If all we did was simply switch our mindset and that I'm now, my mission is to listen to your story and not think about mine, but to analyze, be analytical about your story and think about, okay, what are they not telling me? What is the main idea? What are the emotions that you are communicating to me as you tell the story. And engineers are set up for analytics. Like they understand that process and they're great at being analytical. So just apply the analysis to feed back into the other person's story. And all of a sudden they can do all eight active listening skills very well. And they're no longer tempted to interrupt and one up and do all these other activities that flow out of the analysis of looking for my own story and yours. And so that's a, it's a simple but difficult concept 
to pull off. But once you do, you're already a better listener. Okay. Yeah, that's quite a bit. I mean, I, that gives people some homework to think about in terms mm-hmm. of how they how they get themselves together. And again, my encouragement for anyone listening to this simply is, you know, just like with Dan is laying out some of the groundwork. I mean, it's just all you have to do is practice at this, work at it, understanding, getting rid of the word but and using the word and as much as possible, yep. figuring out the little things that make a big difference. You know, I loved you talked the other day in, in one of your posts. And I'll I'll put your LinkedIn profile in our show notes as well, because I think anybody worth their weight that wants to get better at this needs to follow Dan, especially on LinkedIn, because his videos, his simple thoughts, you know, three to four minutes are legendary. And they really have, they've been, they have helped me become much more informed in this area. And I'm honestly, anyone that will listen to me, and I'm using air quotes now, I try to share this information with them. And I'm always attributing it to Dan and to what he's kind of exposed me to, because we all know about it. We've all talked about this before and the fact that we need to be proactive about engaging people and really looking into their eyes and understanding what they're all about. And, you know, I just think it's it's a way for us to continue to get better. And uh, it, there's certainly room for improvement for every one of us, for all of us on this planet much less just the people that are actually listening to this podcast. So I hope you take what Dan said and start to apply some of these lessons because they can be a game changer, both in your organization as well as in your home. And um, listening doesn't stop when you leave the office. No, it does not. (laughs) It continues. In fact, it should improve, right? I mean, it should be better at home. That's the, one the idea. Yeah, one of those things. You should be doing yeah. it better at home. Yeah, that that is the idea. So, did you hear a word that came out of my mouth? Is one of my wife's favorite questions, and <laughs> that, that you have to be careful with how you respond to that. And certainly now, I absolutely take the time to listen. I mean, I always have. I mean, nineteen years in, I mean, you you learn how to listen, especially if you're married and you have a, some even some semblance of a successful marriage. But even if you're single, you know, you work on this it will be a difference maker for you. And people will honestly want to be around you. I think that's the other benefit too, is that a true listener is never lonely. Do you agree with that? Oh, I, God, there's so many stories around us, Randy. And nobody gets, I shouldn't say, very few people get an, an honest and earnest invitation to tell their story every day. And those stories that are just like welling up and, and want to come out, like they're just waiting for the invitation. Yeah. yeah. And if you just make a habit of that, you'll have. I guess this is maybe this is it is who needs to be a better listener? Like who are my clients? Who are my ideal customers? Well, it's anybody that wants a deeper relationship with human beings. If you don't have any need for deeper relationships with human beings, the ones you already have or any future ones you'll develop, then you don't need anything that I'm giving away for free on LinkedIn. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You don't need that, but I don't know who that is. Yeah. I think we have an epidemic of loneliness currently in our society. And uh, I think this might be a remedy. So I would offer people like you and I, there's some other folks that are ambassadors of good listening. We're on LinkedIn. I look at my LinkedIn feed as as supplying vitamins, listening vitamins to everybody. It has to be something you do every day. You have to recommit every day to being a better listener. You need to get a little bit of more knowledge every day too. And it's free and it can't hurt. So yeah, connect with me on LinkedIn. There'll be a video some days. It'll be an article another. It might just be a funny post a story of somebody that I got their story from and I thought was very valuable and that it had a good outcome and, and that's it. And there, everybody gets fed for the day. Yeah. 
That's perfect. That's a perfect segue. And I know that you keep great company because actually we have a mutual friend in Kwame Christian who is a negotiator. Oh, yeah. And Kwame's a great guy. We were just together at the uh, podcast movement event in um, Orlando. But anyway, I just, I say all that to say that you, you've actually attracted a nice group of people that are part of your sphere that all are practicing the same things that you're practicing and are making a difference. And I, and I want to, I want to ask you this quick question as we close out. And I know that uh, some people have heard of like Chris Voss from the Black Swan Group. And, and Absolutely. And, and amazing just, guy. He is an amazing guy. He wrote the book, Never Split the Difference, Negotiating as if Your Life Dependent on It. I, I read the book and I listened to the audio ver- book version of it. I really enjoyed it. And uh, I'm just curious as, as to what he's kind of put on a much larger level. He's put this whole idea of understanding negotiation, understanding the importance of listening on the map, so to speak. And I wonder, has that, has that helped or benefited you at all? And what you're doing, that guy's a, a trailblazer. So he, you know, he is he's a legend in our community. He's from the FBI. I don't hold that against them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm from the FBI school, right? They trained me to be a hostage negotiator. At the end of the day, that that's I follow what he helped develop and then espoused. So in that sense, strictly speaking, just my primary profession, I owe a lot to him and his colleagues. And then in the sense of the side hustle, right? Making the jump from public sector to private sector. Absolutely. How many corporations would value negotiations training or active listening training if they had not been exposed to this concept before? So all the time, I guess it would be easy if I had like a huge bruising ego that people mention another hostage negotiator. I'm like, well, I'm better than him. Well, I don't think I am necessarily. (laughs) This is what I know is that guy's an ambassador of things that make humans better. And so are you. And so are Kwame. And so am I. And we could name, I hate to leave anybody out. So I'll just stop there. There's so many other great guys and gals, especially on LinkedIn. Like we're all on the same team in that sense. So I don't begrudge him at all. And it's made him, it's made it easier for me to make money for my family because there's now value in our culture assigned to building consensus and building deep connections with people. There's, there's an ROI there that probably didn't exist before people like Chris Voss were out there showing the value of negotiation principles and listening as a parcel and part of negotiations. No, so nothing but respect for that dude. Never met him by the way, right? but I've read his book and I've been through the courses that he helped create. So no, I love that. That's That's the amazing thing about the the fraternity and sorority of of our profession. Yeah. And you know, of course he was a trailblazer of sorts. And and I love what you said because essentially the, the essence of what you said is, is a phrase or term that I use all the time. And I, I remind every single person about this is that your gift makes room for you. And there is always going to be an opportunity for you to flex yourself and do the things that you are good at doing. And so Dan, you are definitely good at what you do as a hostage negotiator, but you're also a great keynote speaker. And you're, you're an also an amazing author. And I just really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to come on the Encourage, Build, Grow podcast. I really appreciate it. Can I leave everybody with one last thought? Sure. If you become a better listener, you very well could save a life. I just want to say that. You just may not know it like I know it because there's people all around us that are really hurting. And if you receive their story today, you might change their mind in a way that you had no idea They were looking for one deep connection today. And if you provide it just because you have a habit of everybody you meet that day, checking in with them and making it that deep connection, which could be as simple as a smile or a joke or 
how are you doing today? Asked in a way that actually deserves an answer. You might save a life and you might never know it. But I think that that happens way more often than people think in our society. So go out there and, and be motivated by that thought. Thanks very much for having me on, Randy. I think that's, you're doing an amazing thing with the podcast and I'm happy to be a small part of it. Oh man, I appreciate that. And, and I've, I've got to figure out a way that we can do some more, but I'm not going to be greedy. I'll take what we've got for now and <laughs> start we'll, small. Yes. We'll 1% see, every day, baby. Exactly. We'll see where we go from there. But Dan Oblinger, thank you so much for being on the Encourage, Build, Grow podcast. We really appreciate it. If people want to reach you, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? I think LinkedIn. It's, okay. it's such a robust program yep. and, and platform. Just okay. hit me up on LinkedIn. If you're not a LinkedIn person, I'm not going to make you hop on there to reach me. You can reach me at dan.oblinger, O-B-L-I-N-G-E-R at gmail.com. And I would wager that Randy will put a connection there on the, the show notes. Yes, everything will be on the show notes, even a couple of links to some of these really cool videos that you did. And, and um, just that one the other day talking about empathy really got to me as well. So I really appreciate that. But yeah, I'll put all that information out there. And um, I want to expose everybody to Dan Oblinger. I think you'll be better for it because of it. And, you know, that's worth the price of admission. So thank you so much, Dan. I really appreciate it. And uh, I'll see you really soon. Thanks, Randy. Be blessed. There, folks, there you have it. Another episode of Encourage, Build, Grow. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn. And I got to tell you, I was blown away by this episode with Dan. Again, I, I had, had a little bit of fanboy in me just spending time talking to him and, and hearing just about his experiences and just having him share a little bit about on active listening and how to be a better listener. I hope you took something away from this. And I would really appreciate it if you would take some time out when you are visiting our site at encouragebuildgrow.com to leave a message in the comment section for this episode and let us know what you thought about this. Let us know what did Dan share with you that really moved you. And uh, we'd like to share that with our audience. So we really appreciate it. We appreciate you. And we will be back next week with another episode for from Encourage Build Grow. And uh, remember, I want to remind you, our focus here is always going to be the same thing. We're helping to develop better leaders, better communicators, and ultimately better people. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I will see you next week. 